Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody. Uh, I know I said there'd be no more Tis Yourself until season three in 2022, but I have swung by to give you the best of bits from season one in this clip and then of course in the next clip it'll be best of season two so if there's an episode you may have missed along the way maybe you didn't recognize the name and you weren't really that bothered maybe you just didn't see it happening or maybe you're only new to the podcast and didn't know we had a chat this is a way to kind of have some snippets from each interview and see is there something in there that you might like so without further ado here's the best of season one of tis yourself The very first guest I had on the podcast was the lovely Idelle Lynch from Bewitched, who was just so much crack and such a great guest to open up the very first podcast with. Um, she talked all about you know the band and what it was like being a pop star in the 90s and your management tells them you're not allowed to tell people you have a boyfriend and all that kind of stuff. And she also talked about when the band ended, when her marriage ended, and she literally had no money. Truthfully, I ended up coming to the UK because when I uh, split up with my husband, there was no one left. All my family are in the UK. My parents are in Portugal and my other sister's in America. And I had some friends, but all the friends have young families as well. So you don't you don't get that support from anyone really at that point other than your family. And I just didn't have anybody and I couldn't do it. I was so depressed. I was... Um, I just couldn't put one foot in front of the other and my sister Tara lives over here and she said to me she was like why don't you just come here to me and I'll help you pick the pieces up and and I did exactly that and she was my absolute hero for a number of years while I picked myself back up off the floor Um, that's how I ended up here so and I'm glad I did it was the right move for me and the kids and I you know we're happy and we've got ourselves back on our feet and uh, yeah it's, it's been great it's been a really good move Definitely one of the most emotional chats I had and so one that most people kind of quote back to me um, is from this episode. It's with Matt Cardle from The X Factor. And I'd known, you know, some information about him and how he'd had an addiction problem. And I just didn't realize, I suppose, the extent of it. And he was so open and honest and he broke down. And you can hear it in this clip, you can hear a little bit of him clearing up after having a bit of a breakdown. And he, oh, I honestly, I... I know people who have sent this on to other people in recovery, this episode, because of how honest he is and how he speaks, what rehab is like and everything. But this is him just kind of talking about those, when he finally realised that he needed to get help. <laughs> and I'm just there, like, you know, shaking, rocking, crying, losing my fucking mind. And um, my mate came and picked me up and he opened the curtain. I'll never forget. And he was like, mate what the hell is happening to you and I was like I don't, I don't know I, was like, I don't know I think, I'm, I think I might need a bit of help now <laughs> and, uh, and that was it and then um, I had a couple of days of grace where I just went mad and filled my boots with everything and then I went to rehab and that was but those those points Nicola were kind of they were getting more and more frequent you know and I didn't realise they were just withdrawals I was withdrawing from from the benzos because I wasn't eating enough to keep up with how much I was eating if you see what I mean um, it was a scary time I'll tell you my next chat now was with um, Brendan Lawler who's a disability golfer from Louth and we chatted all about 
you know, the disability golf scene, how he got into it, how he's now, you know, world number one and whether or not he found it um, insulting to be called a disability golfer, how his management company is making him feel equal to the able-bodied golfers and where he's hoping the golf scene will go in the next few years. I don't mind the word disability or disease, like disability golfer. It's, mm-hmm. it's not an insult because I've been asked this question so many times saying, like, you're not getting insulted like you're playing on the European tour, but as a disability golfer. And I reply and be like, if I was just Brendan Lawler, I wouldn't be playing on the European tour. I am Brendan Lawler, Lawler the disability golfer that is doing fucking ridiculous things that <laughs> no one else can do. And that's the reason I'm there. I'm a really good golfer, but if if I didn't have disability golfer at the end of my name, I wouldn't be getting these opportunities mm. because I'm doing things that are very unnatural that people wouldn't see in normal events. It's it's ridiculous. Like people, some people get offended by the word, but I I think it drives me on. It mm. it gets the opportunities for me to promote the game on on the beautiful world stage. And also, I played my first European Tour event this year mm. at the Belfry. As a normal pro, I wasn't Brendan Lawler, disability golfer. I got the chance to play as a normal pro. And you wouldn't believe the amount of professional golfers that come up to me and talk to me as a normal professional. Didn't mention the disability word, just come up to me and talked about poor setup. Talked about how you find your week, your first year, your first European tour event. That was beautiful, like. This is another episode that a lot of people talk to me about. Um, Montana Brown from Love Island has been so outspoken about mental health and about depression, about you know being true to yourself, loving yourself, no matter what you look like, no matter your size, etc. And we spoke earlier in the year, and she talked about you know Molly May had recently just uh, dissolved her fillers, and you know it was a big press media thing, and she was uh, Montana was telling me here about why she initially got fillers in that in the first place and then why she stopped. Exactly. And they're offering you all this free Botox, free filler. Oh, we'll give you a free nose job. Oh, we'll give you a free boob job. And then you're kind of second guessing yourself and do I need a boob job? Like, do I need a nose job? All these, all these other people are, you know, they're really successful and they're working and they're in the entertainment industry and they're really successful. So maybe if I get a nose job, then that's actually what people do. That's the norm. Um, and I think you're so right. I think Molly was definitely kind of in a similar headspace, I think, to me, where you feel the need to change yourself to look even better because there is such a pressure on what you look like. No one really cares about what's beneath the surface. Like this this entertainment industry is very kind of fixated on appearance and it's just quite a shallow environment. So and for her to get kind of all of the all of the work that she got undone I think was really brave and I think how she spoke about it so openly because you feel kind of quite ashamed I think I mean I'd kind of had the same situation I got loads of filler and I got Botox and I had things onto my face which now I'm like oh my goodness and I I, I got it for the wrong reasons I think if people want to get Botox and filler because they're really insecure about the way that they look and they have been for years and years and years, and it's something that's niggled at them for a long time. I think that's different, but I was getting it because I was scrolling through Instagram saying, oh, she's got bigger cheekbones and she, that looks really amazing. Maybe if I get that, I'm gonna look like that and I'll look better. Um, and I was, it was more of an active comparison. 
The next clip you're going to hear is from the second most listened to episode of Tis Yourself, both season one and season two. And it's with Fair City star McLean Burke. McLean was talking to me about, you know, how difficult he found the pandemic um, last year, especially, and how, you know, he was struggling with going through a divorce and having four children and a new partner and work and no work, etc. And it all just came on top of him. And he had what he called a bit of a breakdown. So it was just really interesting for him to talk. It was the first time he opened up about these feelings and you can just hear how raw it is. So if you want to hear the whole episode of this after hearing this clip, do scroll back down to your Spotify or Apple and just look out for McLean Burke. And I think it's around episode six or seven of season one. And I think you'll definitely learn something from it. Like, cause I like, I mean, la- like last October, I remember, like, I, I, I had a full on, one hundred percent breakdown. Gone. I like, and I was the most rational person in the world, like, completely rational. But I found myself, like, screaming into a, a mattress, a noise that I didn't think was even coming from me. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like completely out of control. And this rational mind in the back of my head going, Jesus, my kids, shit together. What are you, what are you doing? Hey, hey, what are you doing? And not being able to stop, not being able to breathe, not being able to, where everything just got on top of me. And, and thank, thankfully, um, my new partner, Cass, it was, was there and she just brought me through and she goes, Mike, like, you've reached the point where you, you know, like this is too much. You gotta start allowing yourself to to heal and just to take some of that pre- like open the pressure valve. It's okay not to be okay. Oh, I know. I hate saying that, mm. but it is like that was. It, I had to get to that point. I was bottling all this everything up, like just pretending, pretend, pretend, stress, stress, stress. While 2021 was probably not the greatest year for most of us, for this man, it definitely was an amazing year. Tom Grennan really made his name known as such amazing songs. He released with his second album, Evering Road. You know, A Little Bit of Love, Let's Go Home Together, all great tunes. And I spoke to him just as the album was being uh, released. And I suppose at the time he was getting his name known in Ireland. Now he's absolutely massive. And he was talking about how excited he is to when he eventually gets to be able to go out on the road again. A hundred percent. I think it's been something that's been missed by many. Um, and I've missed playing. I've missed going to watch people play. I've just missed the atmosphere of, of, of it all. And, and the buzz, you know, it's something that was a big part of my life from mm. playing, obviously, and going. Um, I would... I'd go to loads of gigs, so I think to be back on the road and back doing doing what I do is going to be great, and I can't wait. And it's going to go off. It's going. I think from little pub gigs to big shows, I think everybody's going to be wanting to buy tickets and wanting to get out of the house and just have that normality again and freedom to do what they want and go and see what they want and and just be alive and and feel it. Making the move from reality TV into any sort of other career can always be hard. People just assume that you're only there because you have this following. So, you know, people have just given you chances that maybe you shouldn't have. And that, I suppose, is something that, you know, I want to talk to Nicole O'Brien about, who was from Too Hot to Handle and has now launched her own music career. Were people taking her seriously 
or were they just rolling their eyes and saying, oh, here we go, another reality TV star singer, inverted commas? Yeah, once you have the right people around you um, and, you know, if you've got the talent and you know what you're doing, like I've been into music since I was five years old. I've done thousands of competitions. Um, I've done X Factor when I was 16 and got, you know, quite far in that, but it was never shown on TV. But things like that kind of pave the way a little bit in terms of your experience. Like a lot of people think, oh, you know, that person from reality TV is just going into music, but like, are they really that musical? But if you have the background and you've done it for a long time, um, I studied musical theatre as well for about 10 years when I was younger or 11 years and dancing and all that. Like, so I've been big into it, big into it. Anyone who has a social media account these days knows how negative some of these spaces can be. And especially to people who are put themselves out there on TV and you know, it can be anything from first dates to, you know, Love Island and how negative some of the comments can be, how the trolling works. One man who says that he definitely experienced that and even got death threats was James Tyndale from Geordie Shore. Here he tells me a little bit about it, um, about his experience, and you can hear the full, full section in his episode. Like, you know, we, we've we've had a lot of that, especially the girls. The girls suffered so bad. But us lads did as well. We used to get, I used to get death threats. We used to get, obviously, nasty tweets. We used to get people going at work. But people weren't as aware of it. And people weren't standing up and being like, no, you shouldn't be able to do this. And there's so much more awareness now about it. And obviously, because tragically, a couple of people have taken their lives to it. Um, like that could have easily been us. But... Look, luckily it, it wasn't but um, I think then there wasn't as much obviously um, background help as there is now you would do your psych tests but that would be it your aftercare was, was there but it was nowhere near the extent of what it is now that's just because time moves on and things have to adapt And but, but we did get a lot of stick we got a lot of stick we got a lot of nasty things people kind of think people think if you do a TV show you're not a real person and you don't have feelings and you can just take any criticism and anything but it's, it's not the case like everyone's a like everyone's a human being everyone's got feelings everyone's got certain things that they're uncomfortable about themselves or they're a bit insecure about so if people are on a daily picking away at them calling them sh like worse than shit and having goes at them it's going to take its toll on you it, it is going to take its toll on you but I must say MTV Line Pictures they've really upped the game over the last couple of years like One of the most fascinating chats I think I have had on Tis Yourself in the two seasons has been with my next guest, Brian Penny. He's a lecturer in Trinity College, but also he's a recovering heroin addict, um, addict of many different things throughout his life. And his story is just so eye opening. And he's now eight years clean and sober, but he grew up in a Dublin that heroin was readily available and other drugs from very, very young age. And to think that he is now on the other side so successful and so happy, it gives hope for anyone, I suppose, who is going through an addiction or is in a recovery phase now. And it's something that we should all, it's a story we should all hear. 
So when when I done heroin for the first time, like we were big into Jim Morris and me, me and my friends, and Jim said try everything once, so we had to do heroin at least once. I don't know why the fear wasn't there, it's, which is strange, but the, 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 the main thing I believed anyway was I'm not like them addicts. I'm not. I could never be an addict. I'm too good for that. So when I tried it for the first time at 17, I was hooked from the first moment. But there was no way could I be a real addict. So for the first few years of me using heroin, it was like once every two weeks, then once every week, twice a week. Then it started, it was weekend use. Then we started, right, we're still party heads, we're still kill kids. So we went out a weekend, started doing it Monday, Tuesday. And me and a really good friend of mine, one of my best mates at the time, and he's still on the streets, unfortunately. He, he never escaped heroin. But we just, it just started closing in slowly and slowly and slowly. So we never seen it really uh, gra- gra- t- taking us in. But before we knew it, we were sort of strung out. And I, I, had, a, I had a really bad panic attack at the age of 20. Next up now is a little clip from my chat with the Nolan sisters, Linda and Anne. And Linda here is chatting about, I suppose, the pressures put on famous people for to be constantly looking good, never to do anything wrong. And that's why they have always spoken out about anything that's gone wrong or right in their lives. You know, like I said, you know, we have, you know, there's been things in our lives that have happened. You know, I went bankrupt at one point and it was a terrible time. It wasn't, it, it was nobody's fault. We, it was just mismanagement of my money. You know what I mean? And I'm not ashamed to say that because I think a lot of people go through stuff like that. And I think when you're in the public eye, if you can talk about it and go, it's okay, you know, you get over it, it you know, well, don't be ashamed about it, all of that. I think it can only help them. So I do feel sorry for some of them with the pressure of only being good when, you know, like, for example, One Direction, you know, young lads have made it they're the world's biggest band. And to, to I mean, we had that a little bit when we first started out, didn't we, Anne? As the Nolan mm-hmm. sisters, when they tried yeah. to dress the same and, you know, we'd go to go, go to shows all together. And it was, um, and that's, you know, a hard, I mean, when you've got six Catholic Irish sisters, you, of course, have a, a sweet image right from the beginning. And sometimes we found it a bit difficult in that, you know, Bernie smoked, I smoked eventually, um, you know, we, we had a drink and it was, um, people would go, oh my God, do they drink? You know, it was really weird. So it's hard to live up to, that's the thing. Obviously, this podcast, I talked to a lot of celebrities, talked to famous people that are well known. And one person I spoke to who wouldn't be as well known to um, the regular Joes like me and you. Um, Max Parker would be known to celebrities because he's a celebrity agent. He looks after the likes of Binky Felstead from Made in Chelsea. He looks after Faces by Grace. He looks after Danny Jones from McFly. He was Vogue Williams agent for a while as well. And he was talking about how he's living, you know, this glam life, I suppose, where he's hanging around with celebrities all the time. But what was going on inside was really, really bad depression. And he attempted suicide. And while everyone probably is who knew him personally probably thought he was living this most fabulous life inside, he was really, really struggling. 
it's tough like thankfully we're coming to the end of it and i was really lucky i had the support of the likes of people like danny but um you know if i didn't have that support i wouldn't be here now because i was so you know i'd I'd failed suicide three times and i got to the point where i was so so unhappy and it didn't feel like there was any way out and then i lost my, my my one of my closest friends uh, in August and yeah, it just, it was, it was a really bad time. And like I said, I'm so grateful for the infrastructure of friends that I have because like people like Danny and Binky Felstead and Vogue Williams, who obviously you'll know from, from, from being Irish, you know, they, they got me out of really, really bad places like Vogue. I gave a call at, at 11:30 in the evening and I was like, Vogue, I can't afford my mortgage. And no one knows this, by the way. So, so this is the first year. And I don't know, God, Vogue will probably hate me. And I called her at 11 and I was like, I can't afford my mortgage. I've hit the overdraft. I've hit my overdraft limit and I don't know what to do. And, um, and she wired me money the next day and paid off all my debt. Next up was Chloe Watkins, who is an Irish hockey player and, of course, is part of that infamous team that got to the World Cup finals in hockey. She also represented Ireland at the Olympics this summer and she was talking about how it's a family thing, I suppose, for her with her brother, sister and her dad involved in hockey. And she was talking about how the team that she's on wants to leave behind a legacy so that the sport becomes even bigger here in Ireland. That's always kind of been a... uh an aim of our squad is to is to be legacy um with with the next generation and the next group um of of hockey players so it was so it was so great to see the impact from the world cup that you know so many clubs were experiencing uh surges in in junior sections there were new clubs opening up around the country in in areas that weren't necessarily you know hockey areas in in and that kind of thing so that was so, so great to hear. And hopefully, um, you know, we can go to the Olympics and, and showcase it a bit more and, and, and generate more interest um, for young girls and boys. So some of you might not know my next guest, uh, Connor O'Donoghue is with the band Wild Youth. He's a songwriter for them, but also for himself. He writes songs for other artists and he is also a singer with the band as well. Um, so we chat loads of stuff and um, talked about like his past love songs he's written and I'm trying to explain them to his current girlfriend and um, also talking about like, how do you know if a song is for your, your band or for somebody else and then we talked about having overactive minds uh, like myself. Connor um, would be the sort of person that lies awake with lots of thoughts through his brain in the, in the middle of the night. And we also like chat about the institutions of Ireland, you know, Lele Show and Electric Picnic. Well, I had absolutely thought. I was like trying to just remain calm about the fact that we were playing the main stage. And I remember we got down there and we like all our kind of all the guys like girlfriends and stuff would come on the bus with us and uh, at the time I didn't have a girlfriend but my brother came with, on the bus with me and one of my best friends like my dad was coming down because we had done like a load of shows all summer and electric and so it was kind of the last one so I remember like the 1975 we're playing that night and the strokes and uh, we went down and it was like this unbelievably sunny day and everyone was there and I remember I was chatting to someone I was like oh you know yeah it's like so exciting they're like oh I know but you must be so nervous because like that's the kind of slot they give to people to just see if it's working and I was like 
what do you mean? They're like, it's like, you know, if you get like a really big turnout at three o'clock on a Saturday, you know it's working. But if you don't, it probably means that it's not really connecting with people. And I was like, oh God. Oh my God. I was like, why did you tell me that? I'm like, now I'm like, so all day I was like, can't believe this this is going to define my career like this oh, uh, no. this performance and I'm like imagine no one's here and then my dad's here and then afterwards I'll think that my whole career is not working but this didn't connect with people um, but thank god we got a we got an insanely amazing turnout and it was great it was such a great day because we had friends and everything down there and we all just stayed down there for the night we went to the 1975 went to the Strokes Next up was Michael McElhatton, who is the star of Game of Thrones, Intermission, so many amazing Irish movies and stuff throughout the years. Um, and I asked him about, I suppose, having to keep the storyline secret on a show like Game of Thrones where everybody wants to know what happens. Well, it's true when you can't. And really, you know, you don't want to because you don't want to ruin it for, for fans, really. And I mean, when you think about it, I mean, there's so many people with that information. I mean, massive, you know, three massive crews around the world. You know, thousands of people know know the outcome, but 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 don't uh, don't reveal it. And you know, despite the fact of all the leaks that happened and the leaks of the scripts and everything, um, you want to keep a. you want to keep it, it secret for the fans. So you know, it, it wasn't the, it wasn't difficult. You know. And my last guest of the season was American superstar Jerry O'Connell. Uh, you might know him from Stand By Me. Um, you might know him from, like I did, Mariah Carey's music video for Heartbreaker. He's in Jerry Maguire. He's on The Talk so much. But uh, here's where you won't find him. TikTok. Yeah, this is at a park down the street from my house um, because there's a 5G tower right there. And uh, it gives me the best uh, service. Otherwise, I have to try and fight for Wi-Fi with my children in my house, yeah. which we will always lose because they've got to make that TikTok. They have to. You know, it's very important. They have to do it. They have to. Right when I'm doing all this endangered species press, they've got to upload that TikTok video. Super important. Have they got you making TikToks yet? You know, I've made a couple. I honestly, I feel too old to be on TikTok. I'm, I'm sorry. I know everyone's joining it, but I feel like if you're um if you're over the age of if you're over a certain age, I don't want to get in trouble. You shouldn't be like I shouldn't be out there doing TikTok dances. You know, it actually. You know, uh, you know, uh, it's something my daughters are on. I don't want all like 47 year old men doing dances and stuff like that's. And I know it's like you can choose who you follow and stuff. I just think, you know, guys like us, we should stick to, you know, making films in Kenya and I don't know, golf or going to the pub. And that's it for the best of season one of Tis Yourself. The best of season two is also to be found here in your timelines. And if you enjoyed any episode that you've heard a clip from, do scroll back, add us to your podcast playlist. Put us up on your Instagram story, share us on Facebook, send to a friend. 
do whatever you got to do. I appreciate everybody who has listened so far in the first nine months of the podcast. Every guest who's coming on has come on with me, spoken about their lives and, you know, everything else opened up to me about something. And every single person who's pressed play, pressed rate, pressed like, anything like that, you mean so, so much to me. And I cannot wait to bring some new episodes to you in 2022. Happy New Year. And I'll talk to you soon. Schlank.